0: Podcast ain't played nobody. It's the season, Bill. I'm gonna scream it down the hallway of this Hampton Inn real fast. Uh, which, God, I couldn't be more excited. I hope the two cleaning ladies down the hall are excited. I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast unless we got interrupted by a motel maid. I am, I'm ready.
1: We've already knocked out the my random phone call, uh, phone ringing experience before we even got started here. So maybe that means uh, we're done with that. Let's go.
0: Let me see if I can talk myself into being excited enough to scream down the hallway. It's not here right now, but that's because we record the podcast in the mornings when I'm at my weakest. It's for balancing power, and you're at your strongest. We do this thing at six thirty at night, and I'm a, and I'm like halfway into being tooted up. It'd be a whole different podcast. We have all right, we have a lot to get to. We're just going to jump right into it. So let's do announcements first. Um, for those of you who don't know this. Is the podcast "Ain't Played Nobody"? If you're listening for the very first, do you think anyone's listening for the very first time right now?
1: Yes, at least okay. one. At least right. one person.
0: Okay, so if, if you are uh, welcome, this is podcast "Ain't Played Nobody." Uh, I like to think of it as a college football marriage of numbers and words. Um, Bill Connolly is our resident robot. He invented the S and Plus Analytics System. Um, he is the author of College Football Study Hall. He is the author of a forthcoming book, in which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, and then my name is Stephen Godfrey, and I'm a reporter. And sometimes I write things about people who pay college football players, and that's basically it. I don't have a—your your list of qualifications is way better than mine already. So um, we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about the offseason being dead. We're going to talk about probably some completely irrelevant mid-majors, because that Thursday night is kind of secret assy. I don't even know if it's secret assy. I think it's just assy.
1: Yeah, no, we, we don't have any of the, the buzz of hooray football's back because we already got that out of our system last Friday. I don't know. Uh, so then you, you, can't just, you can't just look at the schedule and think, oh, whatever, it's football, I'll watch. Now you're like, oh, South Carolina Vanderbilt is an Oregon State, Minnesota, that's really what we got. I mean, t- now, you know, Tennessee, Appalachian State. Um, that's the
0: game you should probably watch yeah, just for in casual case. reasons. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for more of the entertainment nougat. Inside the college football television viewing experience, but I do think Vanderbilt's defense is the thing I'm s- probably the most interested in right now, um, only because I think they're going to wreck somebody this year, possibly s- somebody. So, um,
1: you know, I, we'd also have a pretty good big sky matchup between Montana State and Idaho. Now that's,
0: that's PAPN content right there.
1: there are, how many games are there?
0: There's, what, 15, like 20 games tonight? Uh, I don't understand why everyone plays on a Thursday.
1: Uh, looks like sixteen, yeah, and a lot of them are you know ESPN three kind of things, or or in, in the case of Jackson State UNLV, uh, MWC video is apparently televising that, whatever that means. But you, you can apparently get uh, Weber State Utah State on Twitter. Uh, I'm still not completely sure how that's going to work.
0: I believe it'll be a live screen option if you go through, not if you use a client like we were just actually talking. But just talking. like you know, if you just yeah. hop
1: straight onto Twitter.com and
0: okay. yeah, I think there'll be a live stream option actually. And if you don't want to mess with Twitter tonight and you have a burning desire to watch Utah State and whoever, um, you can go to the Mountain West website. Yeah. And then I believe they have a video player through maybe Root Sports. Um, I don't know. There's 400.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, Root Sports. Uh, I think is the one behind South Dakota, New Mexico. But, yeah, I mean, if you're some of these, like, UT Martin, Cincinnati, I have no idea.
0: Okay, Uh, apropos of nothing, here's what I don't understand. The region of the country I live in is best defined as the true Mid-South. I live in Middle Tennessee. It is the Mid-South. It borders into the Appalachian part of the Midwest. This has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that I don't know why everyone's playing football tonight. Tennessee is playing. Vanderbilt's hosting South Carolina. Um, You just mentioned, like, UT Martin is playing at Cincinnati, and Louisville is playing at Uh, Louisville's hosting Charlotte. Pretty much every team, and then Western Kentucky's playing tonight as well. I have absolutely no idea why. I don't know if it's just a coincidence. I don't know why I'm even talking about this, as if anyone cares. It's just weird to see which schools that don't get an ESPN or a Fox slot on Thursday night. Why are they playing right now? I have no idea.
1: Well, I mean, like, Rice, Western Kentucky's on CBS Sports. I can at least kind of understand that one. But, I mean, if you're, yeah, UT, uh, Martin, Cincinnati, I have no, I mean... That's, that's an on ESPN Saturday. three. That's an the ESPN three game, and yeah, you put it on Friday. That's yeah, you put it on Friday. I mean, granted, there are still like eleven games on Friday, but that's at least a little better. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna, if you're not even gonna get on national television, just have your game Saturday afternoon when it's actually you know football time.
0: All right, we're already off in a glorious ditch. Let me pull us back on course. Um, so, for those of you who are longtime listeners, we have two quick announcements, um, and then we'll get into our campaign. Before we talk college football, one, we do have music coming, Bill. It is in the process of being constructed. Um, That's all I'm going to say right now. Uh, We're we're in the lab writing verses. That sounded as awkward as I thought it would in my head. Um, The second thing is, those of you who submitted scores for the logo, we're done. I don't need any more scores. I'm not even going to tell you what the scores thing means if you don't understand. It was... Probably about two months ago we wrapped that up on the podcast. We're just in the process of finding an artist to pull all that together. So hopefully we can have a new logo and then maybe one day like a t-shirt, a mug. I think we should just get mouse pads made only because no one uses mouse pads anymore. Um, All that stuff is still in the works. We thank you for your submissions. We are also not going to do a blind box score bingo today. I'm going to pause and let everyone take that in. Okay, there's just too much going on. And also, Bill and I are going to experiment by looking at a real live box score and trying to parse uh, some things, kind of take you behind how Bill determines um, the narratives in the Blind Box Score Bingo Challenge. uh, Since we only have one game to look at right now, we're going to look at Cal and Hawaii. Is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely we're going to look at Cal and Hawaii. So, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, A, you know, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared to start losing box score bingo. Um, You scared, boy. And B... Basically, like our, this was kind of a fun off-season thing to look at box scores and try to derive meaning from them and figure out what was important. But now we've got real things to react to, and we can use you know these skills that I've taught you, Godfrey, uh, in the in the box scoring category. Yeah, I haven't paid attention at all. We can now use them for uh, actually analyzing college football that has happened recently. So uh, yeah, it's going to be basically instead of blind box score bingo, it's basically just going to be. Box score bingo, and we're going to look at, look at games that were particularly interesting and, and figure out where things went, how, how a, a given outcome occurred. And, since, um, and we are going to start with the most interesting game from last weekend. Actually, I shouldn't say that because we also got a pretty fun North Dakota State game. The most interesting FBS game from last weekend. Because
0: it's um, also the only one. Cal-Hawaii um we'll do that in a little bit and then uh if you have sent in blind box corp uh challenge submissions we're going to get to them we're still trying to figure out how that's going to work in the in inside the the papn schedule during the during the season but we just have so much stuff right now that we're going to table it for a second but we do thank you for those submissions and there are some really good ones that have come in actually in the last week or so um okay we're going to move right along. I'm speaking at a very rapid pace because we're trying to cram a ton into the to the seasoned week one edition, whatever. I don't know. We didn't we didn't plan ahead and name this or anything. Uh, three weeks ago, Bill, does that sound right? Um, we set up um, several different charities that uh, Podcast and Play Nobody listeners could contribute to to help Baton Rouge flood relief. We are now have a specific GoFundMe page set yeah. up for our friends at Democracy Prep. Um, Democracy Prep is the uh, elementary age charter school um, and I believe it's in, it's just kind of in the West Baton Rouge area. Um, they took on about just over two feet of water into their school during the flooding. Um, you can read all this uh, all the specifics as to where exactly our campaign is going to go to with Democracy Prep if you have any concerns or questions about their charter status. We have all that information. We're going to put that link on the page at Podcast Ain't Played Nobody over at SB Nation. That's the best place you can look. I am going to be tweeting about this frenetically. Uh, So in addition to your money, and I'll get to that in a second, what I also need is the collective brain trust here to come up with the funniest um, hashtag possible. So nothing. we didn't want want to do PAPN for BR, something kind of generic. We're looking for something funny. We're looking for something that it's going to carry through the season. Uh, The goal here is to raise $10,000 specifically um, to help Democracy Prep in the classroom, but then also in the gym because Democracy Prep is a very, very small charter elementary school that was going to start an athletic program before the flood started. Um, All the students there are pretty much, let's just say, grossly under the poverty line in the United States. They don't have access to just basic competitive team sports, recreational sports, and the school was in the process of building that out for its students. Um, Of course, that was before their gym took on again about two, two two and a half feet of water. Um, So when you check out the GoFundMe page, you can actually see a picture of their gym. It's pretty devastating. Uh, We are going to raise money specifically to buy uniforms, to buy sports equipment, basketballs and cones and ropes and whatever i mean just imagine your typical american pe class we're going to try and make all that happen for these guys it's a ten thousand dollar goal it's going to go from now until really we have to so if you get sick of me talking about it there's a way to expedite the process uh but we're we're definitely going to carry this through throughout the regular season the goal is ten grand um i will stunt we talked about this before i will do anything stupid you guys can think of obviously i hate the new orleans saints with an undying passion um I, I will do something goofy there or dress up or what have you if we hit this goal. Um I would like you guys specifically if you're if you're a week in, week out listener, Bill and I are in the process of trying to figure out how to expand the content and podcast ain't played nobody. It's one of the reasons we um, we actually had a meeting this morning we talked about some different options that we're gonna do this this college football season to bring more PAPN content to you guys. Um, it's all free. We do this for the company we work for. We don't see a nickel off this. This isn't a separate enterprise for us. Um, All we're asking is if you have five bucks. So roughly the cost of buying like a TV show on, you know, Amazon or renting a movie or whatever on iTunes or the, you know, the whole cup of coffee, depending on how pretentious your Starbucks order is. um, Just throw that at our GoFundMe page for Democracy Prep in Baton Rouge. Just five bucks. We figure if we, we can start at five bucks for every one of our dedicated listeners, and then we'll start kind of hustling as the season goes along to get to that $10,000 goal. Um, and again, if you're out there and, and you know me and you're of the Louisiana ilk and you want me to embarrass myself, I am more than willing to embarrass myself. We, I, I, I'm completely down to do something stupid. So get out there, spend money. I'll, I'll just completely sully my, my name and reputation uh, but I think we can definitely raise ten grand.
1: I, I have no reason to disagree. Like like we were saying a couple of weeks ago, uh, we raised that much for uh, a book. We to, got a book being, yeah, dude.
0: We got a book off this podcast. Bill funded his book from your generosity. Um, so the least that we can do is create the coolest, uh, most awesome PE class ever. Um, and specifically, I think they were gonna they were fielding out equipment for like basketball and all the kind of like in-school PE recreational classes, then also golf. So if you're a golfer, think of it this way. Think about it this way, and we'll move on. Podcasting played. Nobody's about to start an athletic department. Think about how treacherous that is. We're going to be boosters, y'all. We're going to build up an athletic program with little kids, and we can tell them what college to go to. We can't do any of that, by the way. This is just my legal disclaimer. We cannot do that.
1: We also can't get it named the Fighting Godfrey's, but... You know, if they were to, I it mean, if we own. hit 25k, I think
0: I think nothing is off the table. <laughs> um, I just didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to go that far. But I mean, I, I'm not willing to take anything off the table right now. It just depends on y'all's generosity. Um, over at sbnation.com, is it backslash forward slash? I don't know, just whatever. Go to the website. Um, I have a piece that went up on Thursday morning. That's today, Bill, um, about college football cord cutting. It was born specifically out of conversations that we had on this here podcast. You are going to keep the cord intact this season, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have a choice, but yeah. Why don't you have a choice? DVR.
0: That's true. So about that, I'm going to get back to you because one of the things we didn't touch on in the cord cutting piece, I tried to keep a, just keep it super generic and simple as an overview, and it is pretty complicated. In fact, as soon as it went up to press, we had to, we had to make one clarification right off the bat. Uh, I think on, it was on behalf of the Big Ten Network not being available on one of the many platforms we thought they were. Um, it's you got to read everything carefully. And the best thing to do is kind of build out from whatever team you follow and you have to watch their games. And then whatever conference you feel the most passionate about, then kind of go from there and see if it's for you. Um, I'm going to play with it this year. PlayStation View allegedly has DVR. So I am in the city of Houston right now for Houston, Oklahoma. Next week, um, because the schedule is abysmal and uh, we've already done an advanced package that's going to go up on the Battle of Bristol, uh, I'm going to stay at home. And I'm going to try and go through the entire Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday process um, just using streaming services. And so if I can't get it legally, I'm either not going to watch it or write about how I had to obtain it illegally. Looking at you, Pac-12 Networks. that's probably the biggest one that came out of the peace bill is that pac 12 networks and cbs sports network yeah,
1: yeah.
0: are not available anywhere on any kind of cord cutting platform so no app um no digital streaming service like sling tv or playstation View. none of that is available uh for those two things and on top of that obviously pac 12 networks had a huge problem in general but um it's going to be uh I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I just won't be able to watch, I guess, like, the FCS versus Pac-12 opponents.
1: I, I haven't been able to anyway, so... Um, I don't...
0: The, I have access to a DirecTV login, but I just realized I don't even... Even if I use someone else's DirecTV login, it won't matter, so... Right. A uh, short version of that is the is that Pac-12 is still the Pac-12, even in the digital ecosphere. Um, I swung by... I've kind of had a busy week, but on my way to Houston, because this makes no sense on a map... I swung by West Point and Army while I was working on something else and did a quick feature. That should be up on Friday over at SBNation.com. So, the conceit of that bill was one, uh, not a lot of people go to Army. Two, uh, you know all those stupid rankings that come out, whether like prettiest campus or best game day experience? Of course. I am now putting West Point, and I wasn't there for a game, obviously, I was just there for practice, but I'd never been to West Point. I've been to upstate New York multiple times, never been to West Point going to an Army home game is a bucket list thing for me now, and I would put the experience of being on West Point's campus in the top five in the entire nation.
1: Regardless
0: regardless if the team has won zero or one or two games, it is unbelievable, Bill.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I remember, they kind of do this every time, but I remember probably a couple of years ago now, uh, one of the ESPNs, they went there, and they actually tried to, like, they did a lot of panoramic types of shots and they and they they went out of their way to show you holy crap this place is amazing and i was sold <laughs> i was absolutely sold on it being holy crap amazing so also uh, the stadium's not bad at all the stadium's the size of i mean
0: I, I don't know i think it seats around the third kind of 34 range but it doesn't i mean it's it's impressive it's it's sleek you know it's i don't know the the point of going up there was to check out army because On paper, still abysmal in a lot of ways, but also uh, kind of from that broad view. You wrote about this. I kind of had to lean on your preview because there weren't a lot of interesting sort of like single-player dynamics or anything unique. But in your preview, you talked about, hey, a lot of returning experience,
1: um, and they have the ability to become as good as Navy, right? I mean, in theory, they got to... Support the program like Navy does. Navy plugs a lot more into it, and that's why one of the reasons they succeed. But in theory, they could do it. It's possible. So did that, um, and the last thing we're going to plug, Bill. You did
0: some picks. Yeah. You did you yeah. did some picks at that their uh, footballstudyhall.com. dot com. We have games to talk about that are real and happening this week.
1: Yeah, and after my first go round, uh, pretty uh, when I put the doc together, my first go round. Uh, had the wrong picks had things like rice by 25 over Western Kentucky and whatnot. I think they're actually right now. Uh, and you can go check those out, but yeah, we're not going to plug picks every week because we're, we're not that kind of podcast, but I figured it was a good way to jump into the topic of week one and, uh, kind of walk through. Cause I, I, I think, you know, it's funny. I spend, uh, what literally almost seven months of the off season writing previews of the season, Uh, And basically what it, it's called a preview, but basically what it is, is figuring out the most important two or three questions, the most, most important ifs that each team has like I, I I'm terrible at actually making predictions I just try to make it set it up to where you can make uh, the best possible predictions you can uh but it really is just to setting up like if these things go right team A will do well if these things don't this is the first chance to actually get an impression of whether the all these ifs are going to actually go right or poorly and so I the first week I just drown I'm so glad that Missouri doesn't have a home game I like I like that because that means I get to watch more, and maybe I don't max out the DVR in the process. But
0: I love know. that you threw Southern Miss and Kentucky into your sort of five most interesting slot here um, because I know we talked about it last week, and then actually I was on SB Nation Radio and kind of purposely tried to PAPN my own segment where we went from talking about, like, Heisman potential, or Heisman <laughs> candidates to playoff picks, and then I, and they're like, what stands out to you week one? And I was like, well, let me tell you about Kentucky. Uh, it is a weird game. They haven't – They had. Uh, Kentucky's fired offensive coordinator is coming right back in, all right? We don't make enough out of that. Everybody's talking about, like, oh, Noel Mazzoni, Texas A&M, UCLA. Sure, that happens. But I kind of like Southern Miss here. I think it's going to be an interesting game.
1: I do think that um, having, you know, a full-off season of knowing Barker's the starter, having a super-experienced receiving core, and then having, you know, Grant and Henshaw come down from Cincinnati – um, all of those things, I, I would expect Kentucky to overachieve a really just miserable s and Plus projection this year. I don't know by how much... Um, but basically, but I understand exactly why my numbers don't think highly of Kentucky at all. Like, like I think I've said before here, they weren't actually good at anything last year. <laughs> like the year before, they could rush the passer. Yeah. Uh, and, and they had Stanley Boone-Williams. Last year, they had Stanley Boone-Williams. That's great. Uh, but he was finding the open field very infrequently because the passing game was terrible. Uh, Patrick Tolles had one game where he made all the throws that you've always thought maybe Patrick Tolles could make. Uh, and, th- you know, w- wonderfully enough for me, that was against Missouri. Uh, and then he stunk and got replaced by Drew Barker and transferred. And so now you've it's just basically theoretical with Kentucky. Like maybe, you know, the passing game can with all these pieces and experience and new coaching. Maybe that can actually click for once. But it, it takes a leap of faith because it hasn't yet. And the defense has just been abysmal other than when they had a good pass rush for a year. So... You know, I, I, I'm personally picking Kentucky to win this game because I do think they'll overachieve offensively, and I think Southern Miss will fall off more than the numbers say. Uh, I, I, like, I like that they hired Hobson. I hope it really works out because I think HBCU head coaches deserve opportunities because of all the crap they have to go through just to put a, a certain level product on the field. Um, I think he's proven a lot, and I think he'll, he might do pretty well, but I still figure Kentucky's better than Southern Miss uh, for this game. But I know why the numbers say what they do, and I'm really curious. Uh, I think there's an inverse correlation bill
0: between SB Nation's enthusiasm for covering the University of Houston, as I say that, overlooking beautiful 610 right now, and S and P plus's disrespect of of the Cougars. You have so so the numbers fed you Oklahoma 19 and a half. Uh, I mean that's that's not. not that doesn't even feel like an outlier. Well, I can totally see that happening. And, and, and talent would say, okay, maybe it might be, you know, maybe it's closer to 14 or 17. So, why are we so, why, I mean, why is that so surprising? I can't really put my finger on it. Is it just because we love this underdog concept to a point where we're willing to completely overlook a disparity oh. in
1: talent? I think part of it is we, we, we dump on underdogs at the like the conventional wisdom level, so to speak. Um, there's no way that somebody can hang with the talent of Oklahoma if you're from a mid-major or whatever. But the conventional wisdom like, has reached the point where Houston is talented enough to compete for the national title. They are a national title contender this year. And so I think maybe it's just jarring to see that any sort of projection isn't treating them like a national title contender. Now, I will point out... I was kind of torn about this one. I probably made the wrong decision here. That does not include a home field advantage for Houston. Um, well, I don't think – I mean, I don't think they're going to have one. Right. I know. It's kind of – it's it's a location versus what do you think the stands are actually going to be like kind of balanced there. And when when laugh. the
0: game was first scheduled to 11 a.m. Central, I, I bemoaned it on this show. I bemoaned it on Twitter and was kind of politely contacted by a source in Houston who said, it's actually kind of good. There's been volatility with – not or not volatility. The numbers and attendance-wise have been up and down. They were super, super strong to end the season. And Houston had a great turnout in a Peach Bowl. They cared a hell of a lot more about than Florida State did. But an 11 a.m. kickoff, it's probably better for, for a commuter-style fan base. I want to be delicate, and then I'm not insulting people. Also, there's like 10 Houston fans on Twitter who are just – Run around like snipers. Um, <laughs> please don't make us hate you. I, don't, I just I don't understand it. Uh, it's probably better. I'll put it that way. Oh, and, and this this is structured for Oklahoma to come in a fan base that travels well to Red River. It's basically the same setup. So
1: and, and I mean they've got you know they are they're all throughout Texas to begin with. So um, yeah, yeah, they'll be able to fill in and make it probably something close to a neutral environment. You would figure. Um, but no, I mean I think that's like I said. I mean, and I included F plus here. F plus is my S and P plus plus uh, plus, plus uh, combined with Brian Formos' FEI. It's been kind of the, the the official football outsiders college football ranking of sorts. And so I, I included projections for that too, just so you can kind of see the difference. And I can contract I can track both as the season goes on. Usually F plus does better because it is kind of more of a consensus than just my stuff. Um, and that one has Oklahoma by fifteen, uh, because Brian's system actually likes Houston a little bit. So um, that one feels more right to me. I can see OU covering 11 and a half, um, but it, it feels more like a thirteen to fifteen than it, than like nineteen to me. But the other part of this is, so a couple months ago, I, I looked into you know overtime. You know, I do these things called second order wins, which basically says you know based on these stats, you had a 40% chance of winning this game, but you won it. Uh, and, and so it looks at the difference, you know, it's, it, between actual wins and what you probably should have had given the stats. There's a, so much randomness in there and there's a little bit of luck involved in there, but over time, what, you know, you can find is that certain coaches certainly seem to overachieve every single year. Um, you know, certain coaches seem to win an extra game a year that the stats don't think they should, and some lose an extra game a year. Dave one step, uh, was on that list, but, um, So I've been kind of basically Houston broke that scale last year. They won like two and a half more games than they should have based on the numbers. And you think back to the way they beat Cincinnati, the way they beat Memphis, the way they beat Louisville, even, uh, you can see exactly why that happened, but it's possible that some of that was simply good coaching and good quarterback play. And uh, the fact that you can lean on that a little bit. So maybe they are a team that is built to overachieve compared to the numbers. and, And this is, their first chance to prove it. I love that this game is right now, right out of the gates because we don't. This will. I, I don't want to say it'll answer a bunch of questions. You never want to. You know, you never want to come to concrete conclusions after one game. But it'll give them a chance to prove that last year wasn't kind of a funky situation. That they really are awesome and that they know how to win close games. That they know how to uh, compete athletically, uh, even though they just lost some pretty good athletes. Um, so this is just a massive opportunity for Houston, and, and I'm not gonna. I like it when my numbers look good, but I'm not going to be brokenhearted at all if it turns out that Houston really is awesome this year because that's going to be a completely different fun story to track.
0: Oh, no, I think it's I mean it's probably the one potential outlier upset, Apple cart narrative, et cetera, et cetera, that you can get in a group of five this year. Um, yeah. I don't see anyone else doing it. I, a win over Oklahoma in this situation negates any kind of asterisk that's next to a bowl game. Florida State, quote-unquote, not wanting it or being injured. Um, tell me about why your numbers well, – actually, these were F-plus, right? Why, why does – S&P Plus has been very kind to Ole Miss over the years, so F-plus seems to be as well. Um, this, this Ole Miss Florida pick, I, I, <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, well. I guess we should say, by the way, since people don't know. The, it, it, you have or the, the numbers. F-plus has, has Ole Miss over Florida State by uh, four-tenths of a point.
1: And uh, Florida State, uh, um, S&P only has Florida State by one and a half. So uh, definitely below the line no matter what. Um, and, I mean, the reason is Ole Miss has played really well the last two years. And, again, part of the numbers see 2014 as a massive success for Ole Miss because of how good they were when they were good. It doesn't pay as much, put as much weight to the late season collapse as we do. Uh, So basically what the numbers see is Ole Miss has been awesome for two straight years. Uh, Their two-year recruiting ranking is solid and they returned a ton of production from last year. That's all it sees. I mean, it's designed to be very simple in that regard. And that's what it sees. And it projects Ole Miss as a top 10 team because of it. Uh, And when you combine mine and Brian's, Brian's numbers don't like Florida state quite as much. And so it bumps them just below uh, uh, Ole Miss and poof, you've got, uh Ole Miss projected by our combined rankings to to just barely eke out a a win I I you know when you think about the matchups I think Ole Miss I think Florida State's secondary is probably gonna be good but maybe it's not quite ready yet some new pieces back there and uh if the line protects Chad Kelly he's got the receivers to torch that he's got the receivers to really do some damage in that regard um And so I'm really I'm curious about that. But I said if the line protects him, the the whole offensive line is a massive question mark. Now, granted, you know, they lost, quote unquote, five starters. They also returned five guys who got starting experience last year because they started 10 freaking guys last year uh, because of all the shuffling. And even with all that shuffling, they protected Kelly last year. So maybe they're fine. Um, They they were fine without Tunsell last year. They were fine with him and without him. So, it's um, Look, it's the most watch. I, I,
0: I can't speak to the depth and the, and the analysis that you can. Please don't couch this around my alumni status. This is the most watchable game of week one because it is high caliber talent with a bunch of super weird stuff going yeah. on.
1: Like like I said about Houston, this is kind of it's kind of the opposite for Ole Miss. They have a chance to now prove the rankings wrong um, by not being as good as projected. But the you know the but I understand exactly why they're projected that high. I, I mean, they they check boxes that we don't necessarily uh, check for them when we're just talking about them ourselves. So uh, that's our buddy, be a really interesting one. Our good buddy, old bud, Budster
0: Elliott. Reporting over at Tomahawk Nation about the peculiarities of Florida State closing out practice for the rest of the week. There's been a spate of injuries. There's uncertainty at quarterback. Ole Miss mm, minor conflict here with that giant looming shadow of an NCAA investigation. Um, offensive line isn't. I don't know if it's as epic a, a, a problem as it's been as it's been made out to be. As I talked to some folks on the staff this week, but it's definitely not good and they're going to rotate a lot of guys. Um, the short version of that is, is that they signed another huge recruit in left tackle at Greg Little, but maybe he isn't Laramie Tunsil because Laramie Tunsil was a plug-and-play day-one starter as a true freshman in the SEC at left tackle, and guess what? That happens once a lifetime. So it's going to be just, look, you throw all this stuff on top of it, maybe it's still raining from that tropical business that's happening right now, and it's in Orlando. Something weird is going to happen in this game. Yeah. and I I I say that with total confidence. Weird could be blowout one way or the other. Weird could be a litany of turnovers. Weird could be game-ending botch trick plays. I mean, I don't even know. I'm throwing out the weird net. I I will cast wide and far on this one.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, it goes... The reason Ole Miss is projected well is because of the just because of the depth they've put together this isn't we focused a lot about their stars last year but like I said their offensive line a couple of years ago was bad with Tunzel last year it was good without him it, you know it was also good with him so I'm not trying to say that it was you know that he, he was a cancer or something but the bottom line is they survived with him without him last year um they were with, without either Kim Dichi in the bowl game and looked amazing like they it goes their success uh, over the last couple of years has gone beyond the star power of Two or three guys, and um, and you know I can say that relatively confidently, but now's their their chance to absolutely prove that correct by thriving without those guys from the start. Now I mean all these other storm clouds they've got going on, and all you know again if they fail, they're going to fail spectacularly, and that's going to be just as entertaining. But I really do I'm really curious about them because I do think they have a chance to massively to back up the faith the numbers have that our eyes don't. It's going to be
0: super strange,
1: and I'm, I'm ex- that's the
0: thing I'm most excited about. Um, high level of anxiety around these two for, for fan bases that have both said in, in very polite public ways that hey, this is a non-conference game, you can still get to the national title. There's still opportunities if you lose this one. There's a lot of anxiety around this thing. <laughs> Fantastic. It's just not. It's not a level, or, or you don't have a depth of storylines in week one usually with, especially with a non-conference neutral site game. Most of them are showpieces. I think that's why we're not talking about Alabama right now. What is there to say about that game? Yeah. I think there's something incredibly unique about this matchup, and I'm actually excited to watch it, um, just because, it's, you know, a garbage a truck homer. on fire is going to go. Yeah, exactly. And that and a garbage truck on fire is going to roll right through the middle of the field at some point. Um,
1: By the way, another, right. another important thing to mention about these projections um Kansas projected to win by eleven against Rhode Island. Oh, we're we gonna go are we just gonna go straight into it then? That's a wonderful transition, Bill, because you know what? I've been called out. Oh, been yeah. called
0: out, been called out all month because i have been making fun of other podcasts because my co-host is the guy who creates the information that everyone else uses to predict the season. And they based all their prognostication off off of that. Now not only am I lazy enough to have a more talented co-host who comes up with these numbers and I just go, yeah, that sounds right. But we don't even make predictions on this show. In fact, we kind of pride ourselves on being the alternative there, and we're not just going to go around, do the pick 'em, talk about the under, talk about the over. And so they said, they, the collective critics, both in my circle of colleagues and in my head, have said, why don't you go out on a limb? Why don't you make some predictions? So, Bill, here's what we're going to do.
1: Okay.
0: Now, I've done this because I was sitting on a plane yesterday from New York to Houston. I sketched out ten predictions for the season. All right. You can yep. join in. You can, you can add claims that you feel funny. from Because the fun thing about S&P Plus is sometimes you talk about it very much like the Cylon like we assume you to be. And that it's an artificial life form that's become sentient on its own. And may or may not blow up the world dressed in a red dress. But if you want to treat it that way and just kind of point out some things that S&P is predicting that you don't even necessarily agree with, and then we can revisit it in December, that's fine. But I wrote out ten things. You can hold my feet to the fire on this. Okay. My prediction is that I probably will not get five of these ten right. and we'll go, We're will we going to go back. We'll probably do it a week or two after the season's over, or we'll do it in the abyss in January. These ten statements I'm going to give,
1: I don't even think half will be right. So this is, by the way, this is a um, a no-lose exercise for you because a couple of years ago I wrote a piece, like before 2013 I wrote a piece basically – 10 things that sound crazy but are not that far away from happening. Um, among them were, like, you know, Michigan wins the Big Ten, and I explained why it could happen. Like, Texas bounces back. I explained why it could happen. One of them was Jameis Winston wins the Heisman. And I got massive credit for that post because I mentioned that. And I miss, it, I was, like, one for 15. Yeah, and it's baseball. Yeah, if, you're, if you hit 225 on this
0: thing, then that's decent. Yeah, That's I hit a grand slam with
1: one. Therefore, yeah. I did well, even though I struck out the other ones. So yeah, and, and yeah. also,
0: in, in in cyber punditry in the the modern whatever the hell we're calling this post first take world, you don't really get punished for anything being wrong. Yeah, as long as you keep talking. I mean, there are people who have made a lot of wonderful, like just insane amounts of money, being wrong all the time. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's a ten for the time capsule. You ready, Bill? Okay. Number one, we need to address the chicken bet. The chicken bet is something that exists inside of SB Nation. It's a crime against humanity because my college football editor, Jason Kirk, routinely craps on bad teams, usually in the bottom bottom sphere of the Power Five. This whole thing started a couple years ago when he was making fun of Cal, and I said, they're not that bad. And he said, they won't win three games. And I said, I bet you they'll win more than three games. And he said, I'll buy you a fried chicken dinner. If they do. And I think they won like four or five. And so this went on and it went on and it's gone on. And two things have happened every year. Jason points out a team he thinks sucks. I say they don't suck as much. The stakes are incredibly low. It's fried chicken. I'm always right. I've never lost the chicken bet, Bill. And you know what the other thing that always happens is? You know what the constant in this whole situation is? I don't ever get any damn chicken. I don't ever get any damn chicken from a man from Kennesaw, Georgia, who's an interstate drive away from Nashville. Not to mention the fact that I'm from Georgia and I'm there a good bit.
1: Well, and we met, our our college football meetings this past year were in Atlanta. And I got no chicken.
0: No chicken, Bill. I'm not even talking about getting something from, like, I'm trying to think of a high-end place. Like, it's not a situation of getting, you know, Prince's Hot Chicken in Nashville or Gus's from Memphis or... I, I, I mean, I, a man would be happy with some Zaxby's or some Canes. I don't discriminate. No chicken. The 2016 chicken bet, and this thing pretty much shut down work for about an hour last week, is that the university, actually they like to call themselves Kansas University, the KU, the rock and the chalk business, your your hated rival, um, your two schools fought a civil war. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um Kansas is going to win three games, Bill. At least three games. So tell me about the numbers, and tell me about this beautiful eleven-point win against Rhode Island.
1: Um, that will be a win. Okay. Now, part of you said at least three. I or said more. at
0: least three. Now, if they win three,
1: I get chicken. Three or more. So when I I, I did a, a what I felt was a kind of a cool thing about with. Um, the win projection stuff, instead of just posting like all, all the probabilities and whatnot, I, I also um I, I went through like all the different combinations to like you have an X percent chance of finishing six and six, seven and five, et cetera. And then I so then I added it together and I said, you know, you've got a X percent chance of finishing eleven and one or better, X percent of, you know, finishing bowl eligible um and then, you know, like with one or fewer wins. Um, nobody like even even the bad uh, non beat non power teams had like a five or two, like I think Eastern Michigan had like a ten percent chance of finishing six and six because the schedule is what it is. Uh-huh. I think Kansas's chances of finishing six and six are better were something like zero point four percent. I'm not asking which, for six, which, which shocked me. Um, but you it also for but, six. okay. Well, okay. Well, well, you talk for a second then, and let me pull up. Um, can you do the math?
0: on? Can you do the probability of them winning three games?
1: Uh, well, yeah. I, well, I have the I have the file already, so let me see. Okay. You don't even have to vamp. I've already got it. Three and nine that, are better. 35.7% chance. I like them odds. I like them odds. Give me that chicken, Jason Kirk. Uh, so, yeah, 35.7%. Extra toast instead of coleslaw. Yeah, actually, that's fair. Yeah, you don't want coleslaw in there. Um, Nobody went. No, no one. Five percent no chance of finishing zero and twelve. Twenty-four percent chance of finishing one and eleven. Thirty-five percent chance of finishing two or ten. Twenty-four th- of three and nine. Nine percent at four and eight. Two percent at five and seven. Zero point three percent at six and six. Zero point zero seven and five. All right, like, no job. You,
0: you did your advanced math, and now I'm going to do the the
1: lazy journalist thing, which is I'm just going to look
0: at the schedule. And I'm going to pull something out of my butt. Rhode Island, win. Big yes. Yes. W. All right? Because they suck.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you lose it's, that one. They, they suck they... in
0: the FCS. Oh, if they lose that one, I'm just going to send him the chicken. Like, yeah.
1: bet is done. You're staring 0-24 in the face if you're David Beatty at that point. Okay. Ohio, push. <laughs> Feel good about it. All right? Okay.
0: All right. So let's, say, so let's say the worm turns there, and I've got Rhode Island and I've got Ohio okay, Memphis, new coach, no Paxton Lynch, all right, they're going to be sleeping, it's 11 a.m. kickoff, Memphis, fickle fan base, nobody's going to be there, now, you can come in right there and run a three-game sweep, I eat my damn chicken before October 1st, it's still hot outside, I have to eat my chicken indoors, all right, now, say that doesn't happen, Memphis is probably better than that, okay, all right, Baylor, super talented, pretty much proven at this point that they're not going to stop burning things down okay in the worst possible way all right and hey, they get Iowa State at home on November 12th all right and uh, Kansas State is a rivalry game okay uh-huh. and, thi- and things happen sure yeah Dana Holgerson might not even have a job on November 5th right people want his head That's that's, that's real that's real journalism seriously like they're probably not going to fire him midseason, but wheels could be coming off. Kansas could Kansas could be the team that steals the tires off of the West Virginia uh, Dodge Ram. Let's say okay, all right. I feel good about this chicken, Bill.
1: So here, let me let me. Here are your rooting interests. This is Kansas is scheduling in order of win likelihood. Uh, number one is Rhode Island, obviously. You know, seventy whatever percent. That's that's there clear. If you don't win that one, you're toast. The next one is the very next week at home against Ohio when they have a 41.5% chance. Um, they, have, they have a better than 50% chance in one game, so you better beat Ohio. Because after 41%, it goes to 26% at home against Iowa State. And Iowa State's another team that I think will probably overachieve its its projections. So good luck. So that's the third. The fourth is at Memphis, 15.9%. It's going to happen. Okay. Uh, the fifth is at Kansas, 12.8%. The sixth is at home against Texas, 10.9%. You've got 8% at T- Texas Tech, I'm 8%. i am not, left. I'm not calling a win against well, I'm just, seconds. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to give you the, order. basically. What side of this chance. chicken are you on? Uh, I, I'm, I'm for whoever will give me chicken. Um, basically the six games where they actually might have a chance are the three at the start and the three at the end. The, and you know what? That may be anything else. That's going to make for a great chicken bet.
0: By the way, Texas included at the three at the end. So, yeah. why do you want Charlie
1: Strong fired, Bill? Again, it's the it's the sentient being in the red the red dress that wants Charlie Strong fired.
0: I really wish that we had the ability and the licensing money right now to put in that that theme song from Battlestar Galactica. Moving on, we have to do more of these, okay? We've only done one. I'm going to run a a chicken bed update every week, all right? I'm going to die on the hill with the Kansas Jayhawk football team. I want my chicken. Number two. um, This one already came out because we were doing either like a Facebook Live or I don't know, something. Wake Up College Football last week, I went on the show, um, and Ryan Nanny asked me uh, kind of a series of rapid-fire questions at the end, put me on the hot seat, and said, uh, what's the coach everyone's talking about for a major job uh, in December? Of course, the obvious answer, because everyone's talking about it now, is Tom Herman. That's why I'm in Houston right now. But I didn't want to cop out and say Tom Herman. So I said that USF's Willie Taggart will not only take a good job, but a good, uh, or, uh, not only take a Power 5 job, but a good one. Um, I think that USF is slated to have a very successful season, probably meet Houston in the AAC championship, And maybe even scare the crap out of Florida State. That game is in Tampa. Uh, I like everything I see. I like the adjustments that they've made in their offense from the traditional smash power philosophy. And I think that this is the year because a lot of people don't know this. He's quietly interviewed for a lot of jobs. There have been a lot of situations the last two years where his name has been either floated out or he's gone and had one of those non-interview interviews where they kind of meet, like the airport Hilton, maybe in like a city near the campus. He's done that a couple times for jobs that I'm, I'm one of them I'm not allowed to talk about, but was told in confidence, but his name was kicked around before Brett Bielamy was hired at Arkansas. Now is some of that the Rooney rule version of college football? I think it is. I really do, which is a damn shame because he's a better coach than 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 a qualifier like that like he deserves to be thrown in there as oh well, we got to get a black guy in the interview um. I think this is the year that all that shifts. If you're asking me what Power 5 job it is, I don't know. But I do think he will have a Power 5 job. And if he doesn't, if there's an overture of offers and he doesn't feel like he can recruit at this particular place or maybe it's too much of an uphill battle, I don't see Taggart pulling a Purdue. Because Taggart is from Bradenton, Florida. You can recruit forever in Florida to a school like USF, especially if you get it clicking and running. Um, so at the very worst, I'll be wrong on the statement. He will take a nice bump and extend his deal and get some things built and kind of taken care of in that USF program. So, number three, Lane Kiffin will become a head coach again.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't feel like that's too bold of a statement. Um, The feature writing conjecture on this has just reached critical mass. I've been reading a lot of my colleagues' work. I'm going to throw one out here. It's not. It, this isn't for the time capsule. I don't think Tim DeRuiter is going to make it at Fresno State. Why not go back to the alma mater, coach there for a while. You get to be a head coach again. You get to apply everything that you've allegedly learned, and you're not in an aggressive spotlight situation. Also, Fresno, you can springboard out of Fresno, and you can recruit California. I feel like that's good on paper. The other option is actually taking over for Taggart at USF. He has ties with that area. Um, I think Monty Kiffin, his dad still lives there. His wife is from that area, or his ex-wife is from that area, but his kids are there, I believe. So makes a lot of sense. Number four, it's my Chris Brown. Ready? The No Huddle Pro Set is going to be considered the next spread option. It will earn a stupid name that people are going to beat to death on, like, television and talk radio. Like, All right? code style spread? No, it'll be something like Speed Smash or... <laughs> pro speed or some generic terrible thing that looks like a crappy piece of workout equipment okay and what specifically I mean by this is that we cannot define the spread option anymore it is it is uh, diffused across the entire sport. We are so far past the peak of that trend of talking about the zone read I feel like that was years it was years ago yeah. I was writing about the zone read, zone read as a novelty in 2011 2012. When Alabama is running it, we're done, okay? The idea of that being anything other than a base component of a college football offense is over. So, accordingly, defenses have spent the last two to three years modifying themselves. I think the biggest adjustment that you've seen made is lighter, faster in a lot of regards. Mm -hmm. And to compensate for that at the top end, I think you're going to see teams... Uh, Miami might be a good example of this with pro-style tight ends and pro-style fullbacks and running backs. Pro-style big old, please put big old quotation marks around that, Uh, running no huddle specifically to target the undersized nickelbacks or the the personnel on the field that's meant to handle a five-wide situation. And then if you can go from five-wide huddle up and still have the bodies and the size to put a linebacker on a DB in a mismatch, I think that's the quote-unquote next thing. Now, what does that mean? Nothing. It's just college football cycling again. Yeah. Because in two years, if that if that does take off and I'm right, all that means is that the middle linebacker is going to go back to being big again, which is kind of, they've always been big at places like Bama. So it's not going to change anything, but you'll hear everybody talking about how it's changed everything. Number five, and feel free to jump in and call me an idiot about any of this.
1: Okay.
0: I hate being asked about the Heisman because I think it's a stupid award. So here's my Heisman prediction. The Heisman will continue to celebrate the unexpected. So it's basically a theme if you go back and look, not necessarily year over year, but pretty close to it. It's, it's a player that isn't rolling off your tongue in August, okay? Yep. So I'm going to say that the Heisman won't be won by Leonard Fournette, Deshaun Watson, or Christian
1: McCaffrey. It'll be somebody else. I'm taking the field. Well, yeah, always pick the field when it comes to the Heisman. This is the year, though,
0: because I do all these talk radio hits where the question is, the go-to lazy question is, man, never seen a deeper Heisman field. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, but no? Like, the, the field is always, the field is only as deep as you can see, you know, as well, you I make think- it out to be. I, I think there have been deeper fields. It's just the Q rating of these kids works differently than it does in any other sport.
1: Right. Okay, so I just pulled up the list. So the last seven Heisman winners, 09, Mark Ingram was on nobody's list to start the season.
0: Alabama running back is its own category.
1: 2010, Cam Newton. I mean, that was kind of like, you know, he's a five-star, so sure you could find a couple people, but A, he had nobody. Nobody knew about that. Right. Like Well, I mean, a few did. I do remember his name coming up, but it was kind of stupid that his name came up because nobody knew sure. what he was actually but, like. But in
0: July and August, even the majority of the SEC were still laughing at the fact that Auburn, quote-unquote, didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. Auburn and Mississippi State fans knew about it. No one knew that his top end was that far up.
1: 2011, Robert Griffin, people knew about him. Uh, but he still played for Baylor, and nobody was sure if they'd win enough. Yes, yeah. uh, he, he wasn't. I don't think he was listed as like a favorite, but maybe he was. If you go back
0: to like maybe SI or CBS that that year and look at the September Heisen odds, do you think he would be in the top four? I don't.
1: Uh, you mean heading into the season? Because the first yeah. week is when he had that TCU game, and everybody decided. Oh to
0: yeah, TCU. no, I remember sitting in a bar, but I remember th- like it was still a it, it was I,
1: still a niche thing at he, that. Point. He was he was on top ten lists. I bet I don't know about top four. Yeah, twenty twelve. Johnny Manziel, redshirt freshman. 2013, Jameis Winston, redshirt freshman. 2014, Marcus Mariota, yes, he was on lists.
0: 2015,
1: yeah. Derrick Henry, he was a new starter, uh, but he was probably on that top 10 list again because.
0: Asterisk, Alabama running back.
1: Well, and I mean, he just, he had shown so much, so much potential the year before. So, but anyway, like, even if we count Griffin and Henry, that means of the last seven, we, we saw three coming. Three yep. would have been on anybody, like somebody asking you in, in August about the Heisman. At most, three would have been on that list. and, and other, So, you know, that's just... I, By the way, I, I just want to say this, because stupid things come from misinterpretation. I really like those
0: three players a lot. I love watching all three of them. They're great. I, I have nothing against them. It's just looking at the... Keep in mind, the Heisman is a seriously, seriously flawed process, okay? Mainly because it relies on the sports writers. That's the first flaw. Number six, Florida athletic director position will be filled possibly by the end of the college football season by Arizona's Greg Byrne. I think he would be the best candidate. I think that Florida is looking to make a dynamic move that will give them the amount of consistency that they're used to. I don't know what that means for Jim McElwain. I don't know what that means for Rich Rodriguez other than the fact that I think Byrne and Rodriguez may be in their last season at Arizona. Number seven. Here's my talk radio bit. You ready? Okay. Les Miles doesn't win the SEC West, but he also doesn't get fired.
1: Is that possible? Uh, sure. If they go 11-1 and and they lose by, like, three to Alabama, it's possible.
0: Okay. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that they acquit themselves nicely against Alabama this year and maybe take another loss. They're 10-2. and in, they it, it, they become that maybe number seven, number eight team in the final rankings, standings, maybe even number six, and you just can't fire him. You just can't. Somebody... He's the new Mark Rick. He really is. Number eight, um, the combination of cord-cutting trends, see today's SB Nation piece, and another round of bad New Year's ratings are going to push ESPN By the end of the fiscal year going into 2017, so maybe we won't know in December if we do this, into an autonomous viewing platform. So what that means is by – hopefully by December, maybe by the end of the fiscal year next year, ESPN will announce a platform similar to HBO Now or Netflix or Hulu in which people can access their content without any kind of subscription, any kind of third-party package. If that happens, cable TV changes forever, possibly dies.
1: Well, I mean, they've already hinted that that's, um, that's where they're trying to Right,
0: they are, hemorrhaging, they are hemorrhaging overhead to a point where they have to address this. Um, things are not great in Bristol in terms of the revenue and their long-term projections. And the beast is ESPN. And the beast will, if there's a thorn in its side, they will address it. Okay. This one's tough, Bill, because I keep going back and forth. I wrote this, I rewrote this, and so I'm just going to throw both of them out there, and I'm going to see which one I, you think I should go with. No one on the playoff committee is going to care about a one-loss Boise. Slash, no one on the playoff committee is going to care about an undefeated Boise. The game I think could trip them up might be Wazoo early, even though it is at Albertson Stadium in Boise that if they lose that game, they're going to plunge into obscurity relative to the national title race, and maybe even if they win that game.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, I think we've seen with the mid-majors, you basically have to do it two years in a row to be taken seriously at the for a playoff spot, and Boise hasn't. Boise had a, you know, they were still pretty good last year, but they were disappointed in a couple times they, they lost, therefore they're starting over. Houston, Houston's the only one that has a chance to have done it twice, but that's, that's the rule. That's how they treated TCU or would have treated TCU in the late 2000s before they went to the Big 12. That's absolutely how they would have treated Boise State. Uh, and Boise State still wouldn't have made it um, in, like, that 9 10-11 range. Um, but, no, that, that's, that's just the way it is. Boy, the only team on the radar for the national title is Houston this year.
0: By the way, real fast, your non-conference opponents for 2016, 17, and 18 for Boise, here's the problem. Louisiana Lafayette, Washington State, Oregon State, BYU, Troy, Virginia, Yukon, Oklahoma State. That's all of them in some different category or collection each year. They yep. have a three year deal with BYU. They have a one in one with uh Wazoo. That's not good enough. Unless Oklahoma State is a ten and two to caliber team in twenty eighteen, that's just not good enough. They they are at FSU in twenty nineteen and according to this. Is FSU going to – oh, man, FSU's going to Boise. This is such an off-season conversation. I'll move on, but that, that's fantastic, and I love it. Last one. Going to end on a crappy journalism note. Get my David Simon on. A popular, recognizable player. These are the qualifiers here. So hey, what we would consider to be household name will be lost to a head injury that will cause them to miss a major game. This will push the CTE conversation even stronger from co- from NFL into college football. Pretty likely, yeah. I don't revel in that. It just feels inevitable. Maybe it's because I've kind of had that um, at the front of my mind. From I've been reading a lot about it and some of the things that are going on at the league level with the NFL Players Association. I'm not sure, but I just feel like it's it's just inevitable, really, and it's going to continue to push um, into college football. And the biggest difference, obviously, is the kind of healthcare situations that you have, and or the lack thereof. Yeah. Um, that's 10, Bill. How stupid do I sound?
1: Well, I think some of them Or did I cop out? Well, a couple of them, my... I, I don't think cop-outs is quite right, but but a lot of them are... A couple of them are probably common sense-ish. Like, yeah, I bet you're right just because... I, you know, absolutely, because you're probably right. Um, no, Where no, did I post? Think. So you're saying I padded. I see how it is. I, I would never say that. You um, pa-
0: I padded. Okay, that's fine.
1: But no, so okay, so, you know, of the 10, though, I, I would say that a few of them w- will surprise people to some degree. And uh, I didn't hear any that you said where I was just like, uh, no, there's absolutely no way that's going to happen. So well, I'd say yeah, that's I'm a pretty to good be list. Right. That's, I'd say that's a pretty good list right there. Okay, so here's real fast before we get into Cal and Hawaii. I mean,
0: look, if, if we're going to tease something sexy, to right. we, we've list, been then. putting
1: if it we, off. We can't, it's we can't. Cal and move. Hawaii. The clamor is too loud now.
0: All right. The following are not predictions. The following, I just wrote these down at various times on my phone, or one time I actually wrote it on a bar napkin. Uh, you go to a lot of media days. I go and see a lot of my colleagues, people you don't get to normally see. At some point, you, you break bread. You have drinks. Um, people always ask, like, what do sports writers talk about when they get together? Um, uh, the jobs in the industry. Um, so it's real catty sometimes, kind of like a church sewing circle. Um, and then the other thing we talk about is how to blow things up in our sport. So we're just like you. Sports writers, we're just like you. Uh, We talk about terrible situations. Um, It's fun to do this with Spencer and Ryan and Jason as well. Um, But these are conversations that I've actually had outside of SB Nation. I'm not going to attribute these to anyone, okay? Uh, I'm just going to read them off real fast. And so what I've done, these are statements that came out of someone's mouth, and we think that they could actually happen in a drunken manner that's happened this offseason. I hope I'm not betraying anyone's trust who's listening. You ready? These are just statements I'm going to make. All right. All of these would happen at the end of the 2016 season. You ready, Bill? Georgia Tech head coach Mike Bobo. LSU head coach Tom Herman. Auburn head coach Lane Kiffin. <laughs> oh, God. Florida head coach Jeff Brom. Vanderbilt head coach Herb Han, or maybe Bob Shoop. UCLA head coach James Franklin. Minnesota head coach Al Golden. Fresno State head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Baylor head coach Dana Holgerson. West Virginia head coach, Rich Rodriguez.: Well, yeah. Yeah, that one,
1: that one feels right.
0: If any of those sound exceedingly stupid to you, please feel free to ping me on Twitter at 38 Godfrey and I'll show my homework. because the best thing it's the most fun thing that we love to do, is figure out how to break college football, but also break it in the somewhat con, like the confines of somewhat of, of like modern reality. None of those things are that far off. That's God bless college football for that. Then we're really gonna break apart blind box score bingo. It's no longer blind. Hint: the answer is Cal in Hawaii. Um, when you look at the, but, but let me back up. When did you fall asleep?
1: I made it till halftime before I turned it off, and I was pre- I was prepared to watch more until Cal scored that late touchdown, and I was like, okay, I okay, we we know now,
0: okay. Um. You so you I think you got to drive past me. I was making fun of you on Twitter for not staying up, but then I just really, I kind of did the same thing where I checked World out. Park, it was have. yeah, kind of because it was like inevitable, and then also that you know, once you get over the, the zestiness of a, of an opening <laughs> onside kick, you start to realize the disparity, and you're like, ugh, this is also I've seen a lot. I've seen more cow games in person than I should have um, as a quote unquote national guy. Uh, God, they're long. Good God, do they throw three-yard outs to the sideline over and over. That was one of the main... I was like, this thing's going to go on forever. What was it, 9 p.m. Central that it kicked
1: off for us? Yep. Easily potential to end at, like, 1 a.m. So, nah, I ain't messing with that. Yeah, office. I left out loud because when I was scheduling the DVR just in case, like, early in the day... Um... It said, you know, like, uh, you know, schedule nine to 12, would you like to, and then you have to go down to record options. And I was like, okay, record one more hour. No, two more hour. Uh, let's do three just in case. There's a sunny dykes option on there. Yeah. If you look, if you look, there's a sunny dykes option. And and by the way, let me uh, like, I'll go ahead and get my annual rant out of the way. Now Do it. college football games aren't three hours. Stop scheduling them for three hours. I understand the the way time slots work, and I realize it's a little dicey, but just like from a DVR perspective, like if a game starts at 11 and the next game starts at 2.30, go ahead and just say the game itself is 11 to 2.30. Don't program in a little 30-minute pregame or postgame pregame show. Just say it's 11 to 2.30, please. Don't, don't screw – because, like, every – like, once a month or so, I'll forget to do the record options, and I'll be uh, going through a game that I recorded over the weekend, and it'll stop, like, late in the third quarter. Just just don't. I, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a challenge.
0: You ready? Because you're home a lot more than I am, and you're in that kind of that, – I actually love, that like, the nexus where you've got the three or four games going and you're tracking it. I love that because you feel yeah. so informed. Try and find the biggest car wreck, if you can, this year. And I will call the networks and, and find out why they did what they did. And and what I mean by that is, like, one game going long, bumping another game. You see it happen on Twitter. Oh, yeah. You, you see, yeah, see if you can common. keep tabs. Yeah, let, let, let's find a really bad – and the same goes for the listeners. If you get super pissed off for a reason this year, let me know why, who got bumped, why it got, got bumped, why is your game on ESPN News. I think that should probably that if it's a segment, that would be the title of it. Why is my game on ESPN News or Fox <laughs> Business Channel or whatever? Um, and then I will call and apply that against the guys who actually do the scheduling because they love to talk about scheduling as if it's quantum physics.
1: Yeah, and I'll just say like if your if your uh, one of your home games this uh, w- this season is on ESPN two at eight o'clock. Don't even bother walking into the stadium till eight thirty because that five o'clock game is going to last till eight twenty or eight thirty at least, and you're not going to kick off till like eight thirty-five. Or, of course, like there's a chance you get bumped too. They will do that, but sometimes they'll just postpone because you know it's big or whatever they want to show the whole game. But But man, that's one of the dumbest time slots.
0: I know we're supposed to appeal to younger listeners, and we have a pretty good distribution of folks who are like still in college listening. And like I try and be cool, but let me tell you something: when I'm there and I'm in the press box. I've probably driven there that day. I get in there; it's eight now. It, regardless of what time zone I'm in, my brain thinks it's eight o'clock, and then they push that to like eight thirty, eight forty-five. And there's a spread team. I, yeah. my, my old man body starts going, "Hey, dude, you're gonna have to be somewhat clever and cohesive at one a.m. Okay, with and, and you can't get drunk and be funny like you normally are. Or you think. You gotta you gotta be professionally sharp at one a.m. and then you're gonna probably have to drive back to whatever Hampton Inn you're in. It is the worst feeling in the world. I know that's a sports writer gripe, but no,
1: it's a, it's a fan gripe too. It's a 38 year old fan gripe too now because I used to like when Missouri would get those night kickoffs. You're like, yeah, night game atmosphere. That's awesome, and it is better than like 11 a.m.
0: It's but a blast no. when you're drunk and like right, in the stadium but... and and you think you're and, if, and you win. It becomes a legendary story. Oh my yeah. god, we went to the stadium at one a.m. It was so great. But everybody else is like, oh, God.
1: Yeah, no, because I I am almost 38 years old now, and uh, the night games mean that I, too, have been tailgating a little bit longer than normal, which means by about the late second quarter, I'm going to have a a nasty post-alcohol headache. I'm going to have a nasty I'm tired as hell headache because I don't stay up this late. Uh, Yeah, once you get old, this all changes. So good
0: luck. It's weird. It's very weird. I just want to... Well, it, it, also, it robs you the ability to fall asleep so jelly in your bed to Hawaii. So I'm bringing it back to the box score.
1: Well, actually, I, the, my last point was one of my fondest memories was an 8 o'clock kickoff was the the 07 Missouri-Nebraska game. I was nine years younger. We got out of the stadium at, like, one, and it was fantastic. Oh, now, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, can, yeah, I mean, you had there's, energy there's, for days. Right. If the result is is, the, is that, like, staggering or whatever, then great. You're probably still going to be just fine. But, yeah, now I would have a little different reaction to the 8 o'clock kickoff. Anyway. Well,
0: um, I would say there's a blue team and a green team, but we're not gonna do that. So <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out what I learned from this. I think Cal's defense is gonna be really bad.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, this we we knew that was a possibility. Okay, that's uh, definitely that's definitely not new. All right, tell me what
0: is interesting about this, and by the way, we'll put up a link to this PDF um, so you guys can follow along if you'd like. But uh, So real fast, just in case you're listening in your car, which I think the majority of you are, uh, Cal won the game 51-31. to Um, They had a pretty even scoring distribution for Cal, 17 in the first, 17 in the second, 7 in the third, 10 in the fourth. Um, Kind of pulled away. Uh, The inevitability, as you said, set in around halftime. Um, 26 first downs for Hawaii, thirty for Cal. Probably the biggest disparity right off the bat. Four hundred forty-one yards passing for Cal, two hundred and thirty-four for Hawaii. Hawaii did run for two hundred forty-eight yards. Yeah, that's
1: mm. yeah, yeah. I'll comment on that in a minute. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, I'm just uh, real fast. Cal thirty-eight to fifty-four passing. Hawaii seventeen to thirty-four with one interception. Um. Cal, I guess I shouldn't make fun of the three-yard outs. They were actually 8.2 yards a pass. Uh, Hawaii was 6.9. Um, most important play here is, uh, or most important stat, I'm sorry, is is average game per play. 7.1 for Cal, 6.7 for Hawaii. That's pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Nothing jumps out. All right, now you tell me, Bill, teach us your ways. What jumps out at you from this game?
1: So I'll do this three different ways. First, uh the things that probably made the biggest difference in the game and then just my reactions if I'm a Hawaii person, my reactions if I'm a Cal person. So yep. first, the biggest things, I mean, yeah, the 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 gains per the average yards per play were were basically even, uh 7.1 to 6.7 both way drastically higher than the normal. The what made the difference in this game? First of all, um well, first of all, turnovers. Obviously, uh, Hawaii fumbled four times. They lost two of them. They threw a pick. Cal had no turnovers. Uh, that's three extra possessions. Uh, they won by three possessions, basically. So you can start there. That's that's pretty clear uh, that that was a big deal. And tying into turnovers a little bit, plus the onside kick and everything else. Uh, average field position for the game: Cal thirty-seven yard line, Hawaii twenty-three. Um, now these big box scores are hmm. pretty cool they'll go by like uh, they'll go by quarter first quarter Cal average start was at the four, their own 42 Hawaii was at the 25 this was when Hawaii was playing quite well uh running the ball well they scored on two of their first three possessions uh but they get and, and meanwhile they were holding Cal the one for five on third downs in the, at that time so they really kind of dodged a bullet there but between the the onside kick that failed then they picked off a pass and started at their 44 uh, and even when uh uh hawaii scored they then they they their the the two kickoffs they got back to the 39 and the 47 um one of them was a nice return if i remember i one of them was just a terrible like pooch kick gone bad and the guy caught it at like the 30 um so so that was one of those, like, Hawaii was actually playing reasonably well at first, but they were starting from basically 20 yards behind Cal, uh, and that doesn't usually work out very well. And then the second half, Cal just, I mean, sat on the ball, dominated field position, and, and Hawaii couldn't do enough. So, I mean, those are probably the two things that made the biggest difference. Like, they both teams really did move the ball relatively well. Uh, what were third downs? Yeah, both of them were right around uh, 50% on third downs. Uh, but, you know, the, in the end, they just uh, – by the way, time of possession
0: here totally relevant. Thirty yeah, minutes for it, Cal, yeah. twenty nine minutes for.
1: Yeah, I say 30. they sat on the ball. They only had the ball twelve minutes in the second half, but they they were able to control the field. I should say, not the not sure. the not the clock, um, and and that was basically it. You know, they they quote unquote points off turnovers, which doesn't tell nearly enough of a story. It was still ten nothing in Cal's favor. That tells you a lot in a in a twenty point win. All so right, t- tell tell me, I'm a Hawaii fan. Tell me what am I looking at here? Now. If I'm Hawaii, A, my my team's defense probably still stinks, but you kind of figured that was going to be the case. There's not... It's a lot harder, I think, to to build a defense out of nothing um, than maybe build an offense out of nothing. Plus, Hawaii, like if you just looked at their returning personnel, they actually returned some good running backs, some interesting running backs, and some interesting quarterbacks. It seemed like they had a lot more potential on offense than defense. I think this basically <laughs> asserts that pretty clearly, um, that they're going to struggle on offense or defense a little bit. I'd be very encouraged about the offense, though. Um, and I was a big I, – I was really hoping Ivan Jasper would get this job. I think that would, Hawaii would be a really interesting school for like an option – for that type of offense, I think you can find some, some of the personnel you need on the islands for that. I think, that absolutely. Would, I think that could absolutely work out pretty well. I was kind of hoping for him to get the job. And I said, I mentioned something like that on, on Friday night and somebody responded that, well, air force runs the option though. So it would be stupid to hire another option guy. Why? Um, that, 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 that triggered some auto responses. Cause I've talked to Ken Neomatololo too many times. Um, I mean, number one, having another option team in the conference means you're not starting from scratch when it comes to trying to figure out how defenses are going to defend you. Because that's one of the things, like, they're exposed to you, but you're exposed to them, too. And basically, a good option system is set up to have a counter for everything. If they do this, we do this. That's the whole point of the Also,
0: option systems are not one-to-one. Yeah, that was my next point.
1: Like, Troy Calhoun's option is not Ken Neomatololo's option.
0: If I'm Hawaii's um, athletic director, and uh, I w- I'm I'm taking Willie Fritz from Tulane straight out, because <laughs> then you can run a gun option, and you don't have to you don't have to rely quite so much on some of the more traditional principles and things that you may not be able to recruit to. You could still use space and speed. That's what I would do. But
1: yeah, but so anyway, they they didn't hire him. They hired Rolovich, and I was really yep. who's a super curious. fun follow on Twitter, and we like him. Yeah, he's great on Twitter. Uh, so I was really curious. Like, is this? I always worry about the, like you do need an identity at one of these schools. I think Um, Mm -hmm. one of the, the, you know, and I was worried that Rolovich was going to maybe kind of fall, try to fall into that, like best of all worlds kind of situation. We can pass and we can run and we can, but you need to know what you're going to do on like third and three. Um, And so I was a little concerned about that, but uh, the early impressions here, granted, I mean, Cal's defense really might be bad, Uh but you know, the fact that they were able to, they, they balanced, they, they were very balanced. They, um, they didn't give up any sacks, but they they rushed thirty four or they they rushed thirty eight times for two forty eight, and they threw thirty four times for two thirty four. I was um, the the passing game was pretty inefficient, but they were, they converted some third downs, which might be a good sign. But I think more importantly, uh, Di- what's his name? Diosomy Saint Just, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, Fourteen carries, one hundred eighteen yards. They were able to get him past the line of scrimmage and into space a lot, and he's good in space. He's a nice. Um, Mix. I mean, he's fast, but he's got a little bit of power too. Like I, 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 he he was a really intriguing guy last year, an inefficient but an intriguing guy. This year, he was efficient and explosive still. So I'm I'm excited about him. The the other guy who ran a lot, Laka Laka. I don't remember his first name. I, we just have the S as the initial here. Um, had 11 for 61. That means the two of them combined for 25 carries and 179 yards against. I mean, against F against Power Conference athletes. You know, Cal's quality aside, they that that was, I think, very encouraging. They were able to, to combine that with some big pass plays. They had three different guys who had at least one 30-yard catch. One of them was St. Just. Um, so I'm encouraged as a Hawaii fan because the defense isn't any worse than you probably thought it was going to be. But the offense, I thought, took a really nice step forward. Cal. Cal. Well, what were your impressions of Cal before I get started?
0: Um, but all right, specifically from the mindset of someone who watched almost just the first half yeah. and then someone who sees the score the next day and then someone who is now in the process of, of this segment going through this box score trying to glean something, um, the system's going to survive after Jared Goff. These are just, yeah. armchair, just armchair observations that I'm looking at. The system's going to survive after Jared Goff. They obviously retain the ability to score points, and they have it. They had enough enough depth to. No one's falling off of a cliff because you lost your quarterback. I'm yeah. I'm kind of vamping here on that, but um, I really have to go back to the defense though. Yeah. Now, now, do I look at the defensive? Do I look at the, the the? I mean, my God, how does how does Hawaii end up with thirteen eight, 13, almost fourteen yards of completion?
1: Yeah, I think. <laughs> And, and, and look, stop me right
0: here. I know it's one game of information. Am I basing this on perception bias? Like, maybe Well, yeah,
1: there's absolutely like, – where, like,
0: where am I wrong here if I am wrong? But I, I look at this and then look at Cal's schedule and think, I mean, it's, it's going to be same old Cal. They're going to either get lit or, or light somebody's ass up or, or probably Uh-oh. both and lose by
1: six. Yeah, I mean, we we do jump to conclusions the first week sometimes, like, you know, based on our previous impressions. Like, I remember Stanford in 2014 couldn't finish drives to save their lives. Just somehow, just one of the worst teams in the country at getting inside the red zone and then actually scoring with it. Um, First game of last year, they blew a few opportunities against Northwestern. And and I remember basically thinking, well, that's still Stanford. They just don't have it. And then from that moment on, they had it. Um, So... Things can't change, but if I'm Cal, I'm looking at the fact that you, that you made three tackles for loss uh, in 60 minutes against Hawaii. Uh, that's mortifying. But not only that, like there wasn't there wasn't a sack, there wasn't a single hurry. And I mean, granted, the quarterback hurry stats kind of awful because everybody records it different. Uh, but at the very least, whoever was recording this game, they had Hawaii with two of them. Cal had zero. Uh, there was no pressure whatsoever. Uh, and maybe that's a point of concern for Hawaii because even with no pressure, they still only went th- 17 for 34, but that, yeah, this defense, there was no disruption at all. And that's, t- that's scary. Even if you're getting burned deep, at least make some plays to, to b- beforehand. You got to go one way or the other. You either have to be kind of bend, don't break and don't make many big plays, but you don't give up any. They made very few big plays and gave up quite a few, and that's, that's, that's really bad. Now, this Saffel kid, Cameron Saffel, a you know, sophomore defensive end, only played half of last year, had a couple tackles for loss. He had a couple more. Maybe he turns into something, but you, can't, you need more than one guy, and they didn't have more than one guy, and that's terrifying. Um, on the good side, you know Davis Webb, I thought you know he was really he was a little bit uncomfortable at the start he was missing some passes that he probably normally wouldn't uh he didn't look great on the deep balls that you know you take all that in consideration he still completed basically two thirds of his passes uh got a lot of them downfield um uh, you know, I, I think that's a very good sign. If you can miss quite a few times and still go 38 for 54, you're probably in pretty good shape. Really like the Ch- that Chad Hansen kid. He was one of the ones, like, when I was talking about Cal's turnover at receiver, like, they lost their their top six guys from last year, but because they, because they are Cal, because they throw all the freaking time, Hansen still had 19 catches last year. They still had one, two, three, six guys who had at least 10 targets last year. Um, Granted, three of those are running backs, but that still means three were receivers. Hanson and Ray Hudson, who I think had a decent day. Oh, well, one catch for 22 yards. Um, So they still have guys who were running routes and saw the field a lot. Um, Yeah, this is
0: a system that I think kind of defies how we try to look at experience and depth and returning talent because they spread everything so deep. I think it's hard it, normally if you say you're replacing your top 5 top 6 it, it is it, it dramatic at least in week 1 but this may be one of those systems that's
1: immune to that maybe not yeah. immune
0: but close
1: yeah and um you know they had they they had a couple of freshmen Milky Snow Stovall, who my wife thought was named Milky Snowball um four star freshman had a nice day four catches 61 yards um the five-star kid, Robertson, Demetrius Robinson, just had two for 12. Like, they weren't even counting on him to come through, and they still were able to put up good points in yards. So, yeah, this is very much a Cal team. I really did like Hanson, though. He was um, listed last uh, – when I pulled the stuff for the preview, he was listed at, like, 6'195", um, uh, or 6'2", 195. Kind of looked like 6'2", 215 to me. Maybe he's bulked up a little bit, but he had nice speed. I thought he's going to be – I think he's going to be really good for them this year um so yeah i mean there's lots of 50 to 40 games coming
0: kind of a lot more interested now honestly because they are they were efficient and fairly what they were on offense so they're going to provide some entertainment value and that they're because they were so gaping on defense i'm looking at that (laughs) san diego state game and i'm like hmm yeah so, so, obviously, they're off this week, part of the deal for playing in Australia. They got, they're got they at San Diego State, hosting Texas, and then at Arizona State in September. I, I mean, Bill, tell me if I'm wrong here. I, I look at this, and I make a huge judgment on week one. By the way, game in Australia, that should count for weirdness, right? Yeah. There's some bullish tendencies going on there. Everybody's a little out of rhythm. New quarterback. Um, first time defense has been on the field. Whatever. But I think it's a one in three team now.
1: Um, I, well, I mean, it's certainly conceivable. I think, you know, Cal's just going to be, I mean, this is a cop out again, but Cal's going to be Cal. They're going to define games. They're going to define them by basically ma- demanding that the other team get in- engaged in a shootout. Uh, and then they're going to be comfortable on that. And that's fine. I mean, the Texas game is big because I still, I'm, we have no idea about Texas. And even after Sunday night, we're still only going to know so much about Texas. But that, that really, you know, getting them in Berkeley, not that Berkeley's just a, a spectacular atmosphere, but getting them at home, uh, two it's time zone, bo- body clock, et cetera. Uh, well, I like games at night, so that kind of minimizes it, but still, I'm trying here. They, they could beat Texas. Um, but then, I mean, at San Diego State and at Arizona State, and then at home against Utah after that, um, I mean, that really does set up for anywhere between like four and one and one and four. Yeah,
0: so you agree with me. Cool, done. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's this is roughly uh, keep in mind this was a maiden voyage for us so we uh you know we're trying here we're going to we're going to take the blind off box score bingo I If I can make another bold prediction, the next week we're going to be doing this with Clemson and Auburn. That's my bold prediction. Okay. (laughs) I think that game. I think that game has wonky potential. And if we break this down, I mean, obviously, Ole Miss, Florida State has the most wonky potential, as we discussed. I feel like Clemson, Florida, or Clemson Auburn is kind of a kind of a sleeper there. So we'll see. Um, Yeah. Anything else before we go? Is there anything else that we haven't hit on that you want to talk about for Week 1? Anything that you're just kind of quietly keeping an eye on?
1: Well, I'm not quietly keeping an eye on Missouri-West Virginia, but we want to talk about a game that has a lot of uh, questions to answer. Uh, that's that's an early one. It's going to be opposite OU-Houston, so nobody's going to be watching. But um, yeah. that is a game that uh, – well, I mean, I'm always curious about Missouri. But, I mean, two teams that – have a lot of both potential and potential badness and just a lot of mystery with West Virginia's defense, not only losing a bunch of starters, but then losing a bunch of more starters to injuries and whatnot. Uh, and then Missouri basically looking like it could improve, improve or stay the same in every single unit and having a gaping black hole on the offensive line that nobody knows anything about. Um, so, yeah, get some answers there.
0: Uh, mine ha- kind of has to be what's going on in the bottom of the SEC West because somebody will end up there. Uh, so I will be watching UCLA, Texas A&M very carefully, watching Clemson and Auburn. Um, and then, you know, I think you may have a dark horse candidate, somewhere like an Arkansas or Ole Miss. Um, I'd, li- I'd Also, no one's talking about Mississippi State yet. I think they, they open with a scrub like South Alabama or something. But um, yeah, okay. as – as always, because in my neck of this uh, of this website, I'm always looking at coaching changes and kind of the reverberations and things that happen in, in the West where you have the $4 million floor. Um, I know I harp on it all the time, but it's just going to be fascinating to see who ends up there this year um, leading into the Anxiety Bowl. I've dubbed it with, uh, I think it's week three or week four with A&M at Auburn, so Yeah, that's the first thing that jumps out at me that it isn't just a college football matchup. I'm going to be in uh, NRG Stadium, I think it's called now. I have no idea what I'm going to see, and I'm delighted by that. And I kind of don't even want to push it much further. I know about the teams. I know where the talent lies. I think there's a a ton of great coaching on both sides, especially on offense. And you know what? Just let it rip. I really don't care. I don't want to try and build something around what's going to happen. I just want to experience it on Saturday.
1: I do love, by the way, every time, you know, I, I love bringing up that some $4 million coach is finishing last thing because every single time, like, some somebody from one of those fan bases just kind of, like, grumbles, like, oh, shut up. Um, it is anxious there, and for a lot of stupid reasons, but a lot of pretty entertaining reasons, too.
0: There's some hidden stuff in there, too. I think, like... TCU maybe TCU comes out in punks Arkansas in week two. You know Arkansas is the one team no one ever really talks about. You know how settled, how confident are people in Bielema? I'm starting to sound like I'm on a radio segment. I don't mean to, but um, there's reality to that. There's a ton of money at stake, and there's a, a lot of career a lot of career paths open up and change and modify. Uh, I think, and a lot of that will happen based off of stuff in September. We're gonna. It was weird, like Spurrier retiring the way he did has really changed the the viewpoint of some athletic directors. I think people are quietly getting ready to make changes earlier and earlier now. And because South Carolina set the market last year, people are looking at that as, as a case study. Um, I don't know if you're going to see that, but, you know, I, I will say this. David, real fast forward, like David Oven is a colleague of ours at uh, Sports on Earth, formerly a Fox, um, made a really Wait, good, good point. Fox,
1: I thought he was with Fox now.
0: No, he's uh, sports on earth.
1: Oh, um, TV! He's TV Fox Southwest. Either hey right. look at but Bill trying to. So we were both right. Um, if there was a planned retirement,
0: this is David's theory. If there was a planned retirement, it won't happen this year. I don't think. That was designed specifically to allow someone on staff to take that interim title and possibly parlay it into a head job. Right. Bill Snyder and his son Sean. Man, that feels likely. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna take credit for that prognostication David kind of has that theory again I don't think Kansas State is in a position or a shape for that to happen this year but w- when the man's age is what it is it's it's a conversation you're gonna have every year and yeah I've been
1: kinda, I'm, I'm guessing this is his last year if I had to bet I've no I mean just purely based on you know not having talked to him one time ever I would just be I'd be willing to put a little money on this being his last year and, and I mean if it's his if Sean's the quote-unquote successor, uh, whoever it is, whether it's him or somebody else, I would assume that that would be the... Especially since he re- he's retired once before, they brought in a total outsider and it didn't work. Uh, or it didn't work very well. No, it didn't work at all. So, um, you know, I, I would assume that the successor plan is probably the way they'll go. All right, guys. Um, man, that was a packed show. That was mega. That was that was supersized right there. So okay, guys. Homework done.
0: assignments. I need $5 from all of you. Bring it in or I'll break your legs. Um, two... Spread the word on our GoFundMe page for Democracy Prep. That's going to be our campaign all year. But more importantly than your $5, well, not more importantly. I need your $5. I also need your creativity. I need a good hashtag to start running this Democracy Prep stuff on. I'm going to write a little piece about this on SB Nation next week. to open it up past the podcast ain't play nobody audience. Believe it or not, there's a world outside what? Of, of this tiny little um, Skype community that Bill and I have built. Um, need your help there. Be clever. Be funny. Uh, remember... Brevity is the soul of wit. Um, no submissions right now. <laughs> no submissions right now for blind. We're actually backed up and we'll get to them soon. And Bill and I may have some special announce- announcements coming up on more PAPN content. Uh, happy season. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Oh, We're gonna, yeah. you're, more than likely, you're listening to this on Thursday afternoon when it goes live. You're going to stop listening to this. And then shortly thereafter, you're going to witness live FBS football. that's i mean we should pause take stock in that i used to enjoy the uh, normally i do enjoy the off season for a variety of reasons this one sucked i'm glad it's over i'm so glad it's over i'm gonna watch south carolina vanderbilt with bated breath um so as always we thank you for your time uh you can follow bill Connolly at twitter at sbn underscore bill c at myself on twitter and also on instagram at 38 godfrey 38 godfrey Uh, please be sure also to subscribe and review SoundCloud, iTunes. We don't have a lot of iTunes reviews. We've actually done pretty well in the charts. That's great, I guess. I mean, it's all arbitrary, but uh, throw us a review because we're supposed to ask for those. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, But, again, uh, thank you for your patronage wherever you get your your podcast products for. Uh, Bill, you want to go do this again next week? I guess so.